All right. Welcome back to class. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back to uh, semester four. Uh, this would be session. Uh, this would be session one, uh, part two. Um, we're going to be continuing um, the session uh, talking about the marriage vow, and we're doing a two part um, because I really wanted to explain more and really give you more scripture on the fact of how important this vow is to God. Um, and so, so we're gonna do a part, uh, a part two of this, and then we will go into our next session. Um, but this is gonna be uh, part two of what we discussed um, in our last session. So in our last session, we talked about how the vow started and who originated it and who originated the idea of marriage. And it started with God, God originated it. Um, he, he is the origin of family, um, and and that is his heart. The Bible says in Proverbs that it is God who takes the orphans and places them in family. Okay, so it is not God's intention for for people to be orphaned, um, and and when those things happen, God will use all things for for good. But um, but this is the idea of of setting those things apart to where um, people are taken care of. Uh, and they're and they're taking care of in that area of marriage, and so so that's what we're going to be looking at is how God protects the marriage vow, and so if you have your Bibles and your notebooks, uh, we're going to be going into Matthew nineteen, uh, verse four through six, um, and that's what we're going to be studying today. So if you have your books, um, go with me there, and then uh, we'll continue. If you have your Bibles in your notes, uh, we are in Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 4 through 6, and it reads, And he came uh, and he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them both male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and, he, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. I'm going to read that again. Um, so again, yes, I'll read it again. Uh, so again, he says, this is Matthew 19, verse 4 through 6. Um, and he answered and said to them, If have you not read that he who created them from the beginning. So in other words, we just read in Genesis, Jesus is referring to, to the Septuagint. He's referring to what Moses wrote and what God spoke. Okay. So he says, have you not read uh, that he who created them from the beginning made them both male and female and said, so God is speaking, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. 
so they are no longer two, but one flesh. And then Jesus adds to this, and he says, What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Okay. And so the understanding of that term man, it is not man as in an individual male, even though that can be subject to that. But that terminology in the Aramaic, yes, that terminology in the Aramaic actually means humanity. So he says, let no humanity, let not humanity separate them. So in other words, this is not a, a human system. So the human system cannot separate what God has deemed to be marriage. Okay. And so again, we're really going to speak to this about the protection of the vow of marriage. That's why there has been such a clamor in our generation, even now. And so as leaders, I speak to you. Uh, God bless you. Yeah. That, that when you when you understand the value of what God created, man can't undo that. I don't care how much they try. They cannot undo what God has created. God created the system of family. He created the system of marriage, and it will be what he has said. And so that's why Jesus added that clause to it. He says, now you understand the law. He said, now I'm telling you it's protected. The vow and the covering of marriage and the creativity of marriage, it's protected by God. So therefore, what God has joined together, let, no, let not humanity try to separate. See, So humanity, no matter the rulings of law, no matter the human judges, they cannot write anything that will undo what God has done. So I don't care what they say now legally. God's marriage vow is what God's marriage vow is. And it's between a man and a woman. So that has to be understood and, to, and, and really looked at. So as we go into this, uh, into this session, that is, that is something I want you to really think about. So this brings us then to our first point and our first argument. One can say, which many have said in our day and age, so why just male and female under this vow? You know, can't it just be, you know, people just want to be happy, which brings into into the scenario of polygamy, open relationships, etc. You know, why can't we just be happy in our sexuality? The reason why is because, um, you know, or some will actually say, you know, does God care, you know, who I have sex with? You know, is that even on the table? I mean, does he really care? I mean, he's he's God. You know, he's so busy with other things. Does he really care what me and my little life does? Actually, he does care. He really does. Be because this this area of of the human origin um, and the area of human family, because he created it, that's his baby. And so so, yes. He has a say-so in how it's treated and how the function of it works is because if he created it a certain way and then you come in with your own mindset and you want to either add to it or take away from it, he does care. He, he, he really does. It matters to him what is done to this vow. It matters to him what is done to this covenant because it's important that he sets it in motion. So, yes, God does care who you have relations with. Yes, he does care who you marry. And yes, he does care what happens to the children within that marriage and within that covenant. And the reason being is because, number one, uh, in order to be one flesh, uh, you can't have anyone else in the way of that union. So it's important to keep your relationship pure. 
that throws out polygamy, that throws out, um, you know, all these different types of sexual activities, that throws out open relationships, because if you are to be in relationship with someone, it has to be just that individual. That's what covenant actually means. That's what marriage vow actually means. It is between one man and one woman for life. And that is to be passed on from generation to generation. Which brings us to our second point. In order to produce and multiply the human race, God needed seed process and incubation process. Man equals seed carriers and woman or womb man, uh, which is another terminology in Aramaic, means a, a man with a womb okay, or woman. That is the incubation process. That's the birthing process. And so in order for, for God to fulfill what he wanted done in the earth, he needed seed and incubation. He needed a seed process, a seed carrier, and he needed an incubation process. And so to fashion the woman, he fashioned woman in such a way, which is so powerful and so amazing and a mystery, that, that they can actually carry life and reproduce life in themselves. It's a mystery. And so, so that is why, that's the second reason why it's important that God knows what you're doing in your area of relationships is because he set this thing in motion and it can't be undone. You can't mess with the system that God has made. And so many are trying even now, but I tell you the system that God has created will continue on. After all the politics is over, after everything else is all said and done, the system that God has put in place will remain forever because humans will continue to be born into the earth and fulfill the purpose and the plan of God. And it has to be so. So um, that is important. Okay. Um, and that goes into both the, the, the birth of the human race uh, for all of generations and eternity. No matter what race you are, no matter what ethnicity you are, that has to do with the whole of human family, is that process. <clears throat> and then lastly, um, we must understand what is abomination to God, the term abomination, and what that means, because we cannot use that word very carelessly. It, it has to be... Um, in sync with what God wants it to mean. So when God says in the Bible that, that a certain sin or sin itself is what we call an abomination to him, what is abomination? Abomination is, um, is plural, okay? Uh, it's a noun, um, and it means a thing that causes disgust or hatred. But the very root, the Aramaic root of it, is to create... Um, to create ab an abomination is to create disgrace, obscenity, or outrage, or a curse. Um, and then the very deeper root of that is to violate what is of origin or origination. Okay, And so I want to actually speak to the latter more than the rest. The rest e explain themselves, but, but to, cause, to cause violation to something that is original. That is very important. So when God looks at, at a, a sin, 
what what he's really looking at is you are in violation of what I originally planned. Okay, and so so when you look at the vow of marriage, the origination of that vow is male and female, and so anything outside of that, God calls an abomination. It is a violation of original value. I did not make it for that. I made it for this, but you want it for this, so you are in violation of that. So so that's what abomination means. So any act outside of marriage, anything outside of the bounds of what God originated, he says, that's an abomination. You're, you're in violation. You're out of order. Okay? And so to understand that, then it brings, as we just read, disgrace. It brings obscenity. It brings an outrage. And it brings a curse. And so this is where people are starting to live and see where a lot of their sin is coming back to them. They're starting to reap what they sow. Why? Rather in disease and in certain outbursts of anger or all these different frustrations is because you're doing it the wrong way. You're in violation. So guess what? So stop what you're doing. Turn back to God. Start doing it right. And then you will start seeing life and peace. But until then, there is going to be such, such an outrage and such a disgrace. And it will bring more and more curse, curse on yourself because you're going against the grain. You're going against what God really wanted done in marriage. So that is very important to understand. So as we close this, the final statement for this session is this. And this is found in 1 Peter 3.7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you equally of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Quite amazing. And yes, I will repeat that. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate. That word considerate actually means take a value of it. Nick. Uh, take an assessment of this. Be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you equally of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So in this, Peter is getting a revelation from the Holy Spirit that, that the value of marriage hangs such an imbalance that that in any way where you start disrespecting one another, especially in the areas of marriage, he says, it starts hindering things spiritually for you. So if you want things to flow in your relationship with God, then treat each other right. See? So again, I speak to those who are married and even to those who are single. For those who are single, if you're wanting to get into a relationship with someone, then be considerate. See, If you are already married, husbands, be considerate. Because why? There is such a spiritual atmosphere surrounding this covenant that God says in any way where you try to go sideways, it, it begins to ruin things. So if you don't want to ruin it, then do right. Do right in the vow and do right in the relationship itself. That's important. All right. Well, God bless you guys. Um, again, all the scripture that has been read is something that is going to be going into your homework. So make sure that you read those scriptures and reread them. 
and, um, and, and, and do that accordingly. God bless you. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in the next class.